and welcome to Passionful. I'm Millie Gutwin and I'm passionate about connecting with wicked people and finding stories that connect us all. Join me as I speak with people who love and are full of passion for what they do. G'day and thank you for joining me on my first podcast. Today I'm fortunate enough to speak with the co-owner and creative director of Francesca Jewelry and founder of Pimp Skincare, Rachel Basicek. Rachel and her sister Hannah started and co-owned Francesca Jewelry in Hobart, Tasmania. They now have stores in Hobart, Melbourne and online and have donated nearly $1 million to charity. Now, being a Tassie girl myself, I find their story not only inspirational but real and getting to talk to someone like Rachel is really motivating and rather nerve-wracking. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Nice to meet you. You too. Well, welcome. This is my first little podcast ever, which is a bit exciting. Is it? Yay! So I thought I'd give it a give it a crack and there you go. You're the first on there. So I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> That's so awesome. Don't worry. I remember doing our first podcast. I was so nervous. Well, obviously the one where we interviewed people. I know. Um, the ones with Hannah and I was fine. But when we were interviewing people, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so nerve wracking. And you think you've got to get it in one go. And I was like, you know, you get flustered. And even some of ours, like I, I asked questions and I was like, what did I even just say? Like, did that even make sense? Exactly. The little trailer I made by myself, I was like, oh, I can do this. And then I turned on the Zoom and I was like, oh, now I'm scared. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It's so fun. So we'll get started. So firstly, introduce yourself. I am Rachel from Francesca Jewelry. Um, I am the creative director here. We're a Tassie-based jewelry company. And yeah, we've got two stores, one in Melbourne, one in Hobart, and our online store. So all things creative within the business is what I do. I love anything creative, not so much analytical and numbers based. I leave that stuff to my sister, who's also my <laughs> business partner. Um, but yeah, Francesca Jewelry is our little baby. It's just turned 10 years old. So it's very exciting. Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Now, so I've listened to a few of your podcasts. Yes. I've obviously listened to your <laughs> podcast for a little while now. I think it's absolutely wicked. And being like, you know, one of the things you say in your podcast is, <laughs> oh, like, you know, little old Tazzy. I love like, it. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you started. In your podcast, you talk about, you grew up in New South Wales. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you moved down. Yeah. 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 So everyone um, kind of bags Tazzy out as being this little old town and, you know, this little island off the mainland and it's really funny because how Hannah and I saw it when we um, came here was like a world of opportunities we were like oh my gosh this is a big city we were walking around Hobart we were like oh my gosh look at it like there's all these big shops and you know it was completely different to where we grew up um yeah we grew up in a place called Hawks Nest in northern New South Wales and it's a beautiful little town it's like all about the beach lifestyle there's definitely no shops I think like the closest yeah. is like the two dollar shop or buy low at the time which was like the supermarket yeah. there um so the closest like kind yeah. of stores near us was in Newcastle and that would be you know a very rare trip down that way um with mum so yes we grew up in a little town it was all about going to the beach we were little bush babies um our family owned a camping ground so we were very much like into like 
be outdoors. We were very rarely yeah. inside, but there did come a time where there was like very little to do in that um, in that area. So yeah, kind of creating our own little worlds and hobbies in Hawks Nest was what kept us busy. Um, Hannah started her jewelry yeah. making there, and that was really a hobby. So I think she was about twelve years old at the time. Um, so then when we moved to yeah. um, Tassie. I was only nine and yeah, it just felt like a whole world of opportunities had opened up. So Tassie is kind of, I think, the best place where we could have ever been to start our business. I don't think that if we had continued living in New South Wales, you know, Francesca would even exist today. Um, everyone who grows up in Hawkes kind of eventually moves to Sydney or Newcastle. They study and that's kind of the evolution of life there. Yeah. Um, but here in Hobart, it was, yeah, it was kind of like big enough to, you know, ha- create a customer base, but small enough to make an impact. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Tazzy's awesome. We're a big fan. is pretty awesome, isn't it? <laughs> now, tell us how Francesca came from being pretty much just a little, it was in Salamanca, wasn't it? Salamanca Market, yeah. which I love, to what it is today, having stores in Melbourne, Hobart and online. Well, first of all, we never expected for it to go how it did. Um, it was definitely started as a hobby. Um, Hannah kind of started making jewellery when she was 12, but when she was 16 is really when she started to like hone in on her, her skills. Um, and yeah, she would make them, she would sell them at a little local gallery in Hobart. And she was finding that they were putting like a five times markup on her pieces and they were buying them for like a tiny amount from Hannah and then they were putting this huge markup and she was like, hang on, something's not quite right here. I should be winning the majority of the wins from these pieces. So I think it was our mum who kind of looked into the markets with Hannah and she was like, look, give it a go. Um, And yeah, so Hannah like ventured out, found the market store. I got on board because I was just like, let me be a part of it. (laughs) I think I was like 12 at the time, annoying little sister. But yeah, she kind of like showed me how to make the jewellery and we'd design all of the pieces, create them in the lounge room, you know, yeah, the night before the market. The whole dining table stuff. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. And there was like beads all throughout our yeah. living room and there'd be like these little pins that like you cut off wire and like our brothers would walk around and like get stabbed in the foot by them and was like, stop. <laughs> but it was pretty funny. So yeah, the markets is where it all began and um, we kind of, we started with like a tiny stall off someone else's stall, which was like a card table. Yeah, Eventually okay. we got our own stall and that was amazing. So that was in a casual position. So it kind of meant, you know, rocking up on a Saturday, hoping we would get a stall. It yeah. wasn't guaranteed, but the 5am wake up call was. So we'd get up, rug up, we'd go down to Salamanca. I would get out of the car, run down to the waiting list. Yeah. I'd be there and I'd be like, where are we on the waiting list? Because you have to ring up, you know, the day before and get put on a waiting list. And then you'd wait for the council to give you a space. And then you'd go, I would run back to the car and be like, Tana, we've got a space. <laughs> and then we'd unpack the car and we'd run down. It was like seriously the most tolling work ever. Um, and we'd set up for the day and we'd sell as much jewelry as we could. Um, I got paid $50 for the entire day, which I didn't realise how ripped off I was being <laughs> by my older sister. <laughs> That's her job. So funny, but I was just happy to be there. Yeah, that's lovely. 
So you're co-owner and creative director at Francesca. So tell yeah. us what a day in your life looks like. Obviously, you've already had a couple of calls this morning. So tell us, tell us what happens in your day. Oh my gosh, my day is always a little bit crazy. I never, I'm not one to plan out, you know, my days completely and my week, I kind of go with the flow. Sometimes I'm feeling really creative and I'll pick up the camera and I'll be taking, you know, product photos and flat lays or I might be shooting a model. Um, so those days are really my favorite. I love content. That's yeah. my passion. So anything to do with photography, videography or design, um, I kind of plan out my designs throughout the year. So they're a little bit more okay. scheduled in. Um, but that's not to say that some days I come in and I'll grab my sketch pad and I'll just start yeah. drawing random things. And I'll be like, this is a new design. Um, so yeah, I have an amazing marketing team, which we work with in-house. We do absolutely everything in Frank HQ. So whether it's from marketing, production, customer care, dispatch, and our beating. Yep. So we still make a lot of our products here in Hobart. So Which I yeah, love. a day in the life of me is, yeah, it's so good. A day in the life of me is very scattered. People, you know, reference me as like a whirlwind. I come in <laughs> and I might be like throwing things everywhere and I'm like, oh my gosh, let's do this, let's do this, let's do this. And everyone kind of looks at me and they're like, slow down. <laughs> but Hannah and I are both like that. We're little tornadoes in our own little ways. Um, clearly it works yeah. get stuff done <laughs> yeah it does work systems and processes have been our you know thing to work on this year so we actually are becoming a little bit more organized which <laughs> is not natural to us but yeah I guess every single day is different depending on what you know comes into my mind wonderful I love that now tell us about Francesca coming from uh, the Salamanca market to what it is now were there risks and when did you go, yep, it's, you know, we're going to take that risk? What was it that, you know, made you go, yeah, we're going to do it? I think for us, obviously the markets was like, Hannah and I kind of break up Francesca's history into these like phases. It was like the market days and they were kind of like, oh yeah, we can make some, you know, quick cash on a Saturday yeah. from a hobby. And that was kind of really relaxed. And then there's kind of when we first opened our store on Harrington Street on the outskirts of the Hobart CBD and that simultaneously um, aligned with me finishing school and Hannah finishing her uni degree. So Hannah was studying science and law and she was going to become a lawyer and I was trying to take a gap year and I was like, I just want to earn money to go to Europe, yeah. <laughs> which is everyone's goal when they finish school. So I think for us, you know, yes, there was a lot of risks and there was a, probably the pivotal moment was um, me finishing school, us starting our first ever shop, which was only meant to be a studio space. So our intention with um, leasing that space was simply to get the beads off mum's carpet in, her, in the lounge room and get out of the house and into, you know, um, making in a proper studio. It just happened to be that that space had a shop front on it. Yeah. So um, the shop front definitely created, you know, a seven day a week customer base, which was different to the weekends at Salamanca. And during that time, we built this incredible local customer audience space that might not have known that we were down at Salamanca, but they saw our little shop full of, you know, yeah. that week's creations. So I think for us, you know, that was a little bit of a risk, but probably the biggest risk was taking that gap here and really kind of thinking, what do I want to do with my life? You know, do I even want to go to uni? I wasn't yeah. someone at school who loved to like, you know, have my head in a book and study. I definitely did it, you know, in year 11 and 12 to get my ATAR <laughs> score, but then I didn't do anything with it. Yeah. Um, and it was in that time that I really realized, I was like, you know what? 
I am a creative and I never even knew I was, you know, there was sure I was creative throughout my childhood, but in that year that I really took to kind of see what I love to do, I realized, oh, I've got a passion for photography and design. And, you know, I could be a part of this business that Hannah's created and really elevate that side of things because she was very much into the business. So, yeah, I think that year is what was the pivotal moment. And I guess the risk for Hannah was turning away from the law degree and, you know, the law position that she got. And for me, it was like, okay, put your life on hold indefinitely whilst you see if this is a possibility. And while all my friends were going to uni and getting degrees, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm really happy. I'm content. This is like really fun working alongside my sister. I don't know if it'll get me anywhere in life. You know, the shop might shut in a year because we can't pay the bills, but it was a risk I was willing to take. So I guess that was probably the most pivotal moment. I love that. Now you say, so you left school and you went into this role of, you know, photography, videography, the media kind of creative stuff, just from a personal perspective, just because I'm really into the the media, obviously this kind of stuff and a bit of videography and whatnot. I haven't got much experience at all. I did um, a radio level three media course this year, just happened. Um, Absolutely loved it. And that's pretty much changed the whole thing plan of whatever I had in my head before this year um which is wicked what was your experience when you started just just I'm just curious oh my gosh no experience at all to this day I have a little bit of imposter syndrome because I'm like oh I'm all self-taught I've never gone to photography school or videography or graphic design or you know design school anything like that so I guess for us you know the business was so young, we couldn't afford to have professionals come in. You know, we couldn't pay a professional photographer constantly. We couldn't pay a graphic designer. And so there was a real innate instinct from Hannah and I to just equip ourselves with those skills. So, you know, the first year I would be sitting in the shop waiting for a customer to come in. So I was, you know, the store manager at the time (laughs) wearing multiple hats and, you know, between customers, I was bored out of my brain. So I was like, whipping out my little, you know, first generation iPhone and I was doing flat lays on the counter and I was like, this is fun. What's this thing called Instagram? You know, Instagram was only just starting. I thought it was just a photo editing tool. So I would just take photos of the jewellery. I'd post it on Francesca's Instagram and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a customer base out there that's, you know, not Tasmanian based. We can reach anyone in the world through Instagram. So I guess for me, it was all to do with like slowly learning those little skills from the get-go on my iPhone yeah, and then self-teaching through, you know, YouTube. I was like, oh, it's my dream to shoot like a campaign, like, you know, Sabo skirt and the big online retailers at the time. I was like, it'd be my dream to have real models and, you know, an exotic location. So for me, I literally went on YouTube 24 seven. I was Googling things like how to take photos on an SLR camera. And when the time came where we could, you know, afford to buy a proper camera, it became my number one motivation to like nail it, to master it. So I don't think, um, yeah, in this day and age, I really don't believe that you need to have, you know, a professional, um, I guess, course behind you or degree to do what you love. I think as long as you've got like the tenacity to learn and the perseverance to like evolve and, you know, always think I can do better. 
yeah. and that's my motive so like you know from day one I thought that flat lay was awesome but the next day my motive was to nail it even more yeah and to this day it still is so like you know I might take photo yesterday thinking it's awesome I'm like oh but there's probably still something I can learn and improve on yeah we can so, yeah that first for learning now I love that because see this thing I'm doing right now this little podcast is me just having a crack kind of feels a bit simple. yeah I love oh, it oh like you know see what happens now it's um, nerve-wracking it is a bit I'm not <laughs> sure what I'm doing but I'll figure it out and hopefully the next one I can say yep better than the last one absolutely <laughs> now you guys at the moment on Instagram I know because all my friends have got on their story and whatnot and so have I um you guys have got your 10k mm-hmm. giveaway and I just it just kind of popped to my mind just because you were saying like you know you didn't have the expensive camera and stuff I love that you guys like you know you started off as this little business and now you're you're almost giving someone else the opportunity to do the same um and that leads me to my next question about charity so you guys have a few little collections on your website and online and whatnot um within your products about you know charity so you've got the one um is it be her yep be hers yeah so do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah so our charity aspect of the business came I think it was probably in 2014 or 15 the timeline's blurry in my head but that came at a time in the business where you know we had employees Hannah and I were really like you know invested in the company we were working daily you know to sell jewelry and there came a stage where we're like oh is this enough to sustain us for like, you know, the next 10 years of business? Like, is it purposeful enough? Does it fill our bucket? Like in terms of like the, you know, soul and values of our company. And that's where, first of all, you know, Be Hers was born. Hannah um, is actually on the board for Be Hers and a local girl, Melody Towns had, you know, raised this issue of human trafficking and that really hit home for Hannah and I. We were like, whoa, no one knows about this. And it's, you know, it's a huge issue. And here's someone in Hobart trying to, like, save women in Cambodia and across the world. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it kind of showed us. We are like, oh, maybe we can be a part of this, you know. And so Hannah um, kind of came back to the table and we designed the Be Hers collection, which donated 100% of the sales um to be her freedom and it all the proceeds went to yeah rescuing women and children in slavery so to this day we still support be her freedom with our 100% donated collection every year and that just gave us purpose I think once we did that and we sold out of the collection we were like whoa this is powerful you know we're not just selling jewelry to be pretty it's like you know it's got a purpose behind it and we wanted to then kind of see how we could um work that into like a monthly thing so we're like oh let's make the awareness bracelet and we can actually align with different charities because you know be hers is amazing but we were like how can we do this for like you know multiple places a year and we started having people reaching out to us being like oh I know you um support be her freedom you know can you support cystic fibrosis or breast cancer and all of these things and like oh my gosh how do we support everyone (laughs) you know how do we say no and um yeah, the awareness bracelet allowed us to choose 12 incredible charities every year and create, you know, funds and awareness for them. And yeah, it's just blown up. We can't believe how many people, one, support it by buying the bracelet and two, how important it is for our girls and our team to have a bigger purpose than just selling jewellery. So nearly a million dollars has been raised um, in the last 10 years, which is huge. It's one of our greatest achievements. And yeah, we live by the motto, success means nothing unless you're giving back. I love that so much. 
So clearly Charity's always been behind you and Hannah. And I just think that is so wonderful. I think that's just such a nice, you know, as you said, like, you know, connects with the soul. Like it's more than just jewellery then. And it's, you know, it's giving back to others. And I absolutely adore that. Um, And so you've also, so the awareness bracelet. So I think... I haven't got it on right now. I've got a few of these little Francesca bracelets though. And I've got one and it's the breast cancer one, I think. Yeah. Love it. So yeah. And mate gave that. Yeah. So many people get them and they collect them every year. And, you know, they've got 12 on their wrist by the end of the year and they've supported all different charities. It's so amazing to see, yeah, people getting behind them. Yeah. Now, just on the topic of jewellery really quickly, what is your, what's your favourite piece or collection? I get asked this all the time. It's so funny. I, um, yeah, it's so funny because I think it's so seasonal. I have like a favorite piece right now, but I don't have a favorite piece over time. Yeah. Um, I'm very minimalistic in my jewelry. I um, wear a lot of our solid gold rings and then, you know, I'll wear the latest pieces from the collection. So at the moment I'm wearing the decade cuff and the decade chain bracelet. Love Absolutely them. love them. But yeah by next month I've probably lost them and there's a new <laughs> collection that's come out and I kind of moved on move on to the next thing so I don't have a favorite um piece of all time that we've designed I think for me the lockets are one of the most incredible like sentimental pieces that we've launched and I think that is so special you know we have hundreds of them being sold every week and we have some really emotional customers you know putting their loved ones in their lockets and for me that is just so special I love that so probably the locket if I had to choose one thing love it I've got I may or may not have bought a locket for a Christmas present this year for someone hopefully that doesn't get away to a mate if they're listening but <laughs> yeah I love it my favorite piece is I don't, is it the Vieira or something the ring yeah put it up to you oh you've got the Vieira ring yeah that off. was so popular um, <laughs> and I've got the earrings there. I just love it because it's got that mother of all kind of thing which I'm obsessed with so yeah, that's my. Oh, favorite. that's good to know. <laughs> Love Thank it. you. Now you are also the founder of Pimp Skincare. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> Lovely. So obviously you're pretty busy, and you're what most people I would definitely say very successful women in business. Now, at what point, or at what point will you decide that, like, you know, what is the meaning of success to you? When you know, yeah, like, I'm successful. Oh. I know that's a really tricky question because it's different for everyone. It's a good question. I think, look, I think success is, you're right, it's defined differently by every single person. For Hannah and I, from a company perspective, you know, the ability to give back to people is what we define success by. I think, you know, if you can make someone else's life better or you can, you know, create something from nothing, it's incredible. Um, For me personally, Gosh, I don't know. I just think contentment. So, you know, being able to go to work every day, not feeling like you're actually working. I know it sounds like a cliche. It really does. It sounds (laughs) cringeworthy. But I genuinely cannot imagine going to a job nine to five every day and hating my day. Yeah. That to me is just, that sounds so awful. It sounds painful. And I have friends who just say, oh, I don't want to go to work. Whereas I think success for me is like, loving what you're doing every single day not feeling like it's a grind and just being completely passionate about what you do so I definitely don't narrow it down to you know a materialistic thing or you know a level of where you sit on the you know social ladder Um, I think it's just 
daily waking up and being like, I love my day, you know, excited for a Monday. I know on a Sunday evening, I'm like itching to get into the office on a Monday to do, you know, all the things I've been thinking about over the weekend. So which is wicked. if you I love, love your that. Monday, I think it's success. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. I hope I can do that in the future. I reckon you're spot on about that. Just, you know, not having it be a drag all the time. So I think that is wicked. Now, a question I'm going to try and ask all of my guests on here, depends if I remember. Yeah, hopefully I do. <laughs> um, just simply, what ignited your passion for what you do? Was it a certain moment when you picked up a camera or was it, you know, the reaction or the impact it had on someone? What, what was it that ignited your passion? You mm. went, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I think, I mean, I feel like there are so many different little things along the way that ignite your passion. I think early on, definitely, you know, realizing that I can work alongside my sister, have the best day of my life and it's your job. That was definitely like the inception of like the passion. Cause it was like, wow, you know, I don't feel like I'm going to work. I feel like I'm just hanging out with my sister and we're, you know, working on this fun project. So again, you know, loving what you do every day, that was probably it. But then I guess for me, um, the moment that I really felt like I was like nailing it and loving life was our international photo shoot in Bali. Um, That was like the inception of me being like, oh my gosh, like I did that. You know, we like, we got models involved over there. We hired this amazing villa and I was shooting the campaign, which I was absolutely crapping myself over because I was like, we're spending all of this money on models and, you know, being here and what if it's all on me I was like what if it fails I was like no I, know. No I, was like, Shit. I was like what if I get back and I put the SD card in the computer I'm like they're not like can't use them the photos are you know useless but nailing that campaign even though it wasn't exactly um you know where the where the brand direction is now at now I think that moment feeling that you know I guess, satisfaction in having created something that was a dream, you know, at the start of the business to be like the big brands and then to be in Bali shooting like the big brands. And, you know, I was the one behind the camera doing it. That was like, whoa, this is awesome, you know. And that was the moment where it was like, wow, you know, all of those years ago when I picked up that iPhone to now nailing the SLR camera and shooting international models, I was like, I can't believe I did that. And that was probably like one of the moments where I was like, you can just do anything if you, you know, persevere. I love that. That's so wicked. Now, just last question. It's very cliche, typical, but (laughs) (laughs) what would you tell your younger self or young people who are in a similar position or have this kind of moment where they're like, oh, I've got this passion. What do I want to do with it? What can I do with it? What would you tell yourself in that position or younger people? I think number one, don't listen to anyone who tells you you need to do the status quo and, you know, go to uni or go and study something. And, you know, you have to wait years to be able to be in a position. You know, I think that we are raised to, um, you know, almost climb this ladder, which is like a, you know, textbook step-by-step how to achieve in life. And I absolutely hate it. It does my head in because I look at people and I'm like you, and I'm like, this is amazing. Just jump on a podcast, shoot your shot. If it sucks, if it fails, you know, it's a learning, you know? So I think for me, um, if I could tell anyone younger than me or even myself back then, it's like, you are your own worst enemy. You can achieve whatever you want. You just have to, you know, give yourself permission, number one, 
and then just persevere. So I think, you know, doing things how you want on your own time, when you want to do it is exactly how, you know, you get there. So I would just say, break the rules. (laughs) Wicked. I love it. Thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much. Big thank you to Rachel from Francesca Jewelry for having a chat with me today. And thank you for listening. Cheers, guys.